You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lorecast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Specters, welcome to year two of the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is the first episode of year two. It's episode 52, and I am your host, Tom, or Robots, and I'm here with my co-host, and 7 Legend. Welcome, buddy. How's it going? Hey, I'm doing really well. How are you, Tom? Good, man. I'm excited because today we are kicking off our character episodes, and uh, we're going to start with a, um, I don't know, I think maybe this might be everybody's favorite dude. Yeah, to- totally not a foil. Um, <laughs> we we are we are going to be talking about someone special. Before we uh, get into that, I, I did want to uh, wish a f- happy fifth birthday to Mass Effect Andromeda, released five years ago today. Oh, happy fifth birthday! We're gonna have a- just about to start grade school. Oh yeah, we're gonna have like a Paw Patrol theme or something. I don't know. What are the kids watching today? <laughs> <laughs> whatever's i don't know maybe since the characters in andromeda look like middle schoolers we can just you know pick something middle school themed fortnite yeah yeah fortnite okay yeah fortnite there it is it's the fortnite lore cast that could i don't be think they have their own lore thing i mean they do there that is oh, the thing do? yeah no there's yeah there is fortnite lore that is really a thing but anyway uh we're not here to talk about fortnite lore that could be its own show if you would like to start the fortnite lore class sign up on robotsradio.net for the rocket club if you get your own show started uh but here we're going to talk about um a character that uh everybody loves super charming fellow Yes, indeed. Uh, Donnell Udina. Uh, so we are going to be, be we are beginning our series of episodes on the characters uh, with the very first voice that we hear in any of the Mass Effect games. So if someone can recall, uh, the opening scene in Mass Effect 1 is our Commander Shepard, if you customize your face, then the customized face appears right there. And it's Shepard looking out the port window of a starcraft or a starship. Not sure which ship, probably the Normandy, but looking out and we can see the precipice of a planet. And we hear two voices discussing Shepard, the first of which is Danelle Udina. And I believe the very first line is, well, what about Shepard? Mm. And then they uh anderson answers going through your character's chosen background uh that you picked in the character creation screen right before then so uh obviously udina is supposed to have a pretty important role in the entire game yeah yeah so i mean i i'm a little i'm being a little facetious here with everybody's favorite character because when i think mass effect i don't necessarily think of udina He's not my first pick. 
So it's it's kind of one of those things where I'm sure a lot of people are going, okay, well, why why pick Udina? Like, what's what's like, is it just because like, oh, he's the first guy who says anything on the in the in the game? You know, like what's right. what's well, the deal, they- right? There's a little bit more than that. Since last yeah. week we were just discussing the Citadel Council, I did feel like Udina was a good transition transitory character to like make that make that shift to the individual character episodes. And as we'll get into in this episode and the next one, Udina's impact can be felt a lot wider than just what we think of uh, as annoying conversations with a politician. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, there's probably a little bit more going on than just that, huh? Yeah. All right. So why don't we why don't we get into the the nitty gritty here? Like, who is sure. who is this Udina? Udina. Right. Udina. Udina. Uh, as, obvious spoilers. As as yeah, I mean, everybody. Well, most people don't really know that that's actually the pronunciation. Like, only those closest to him know that that's like he doesn't like to correct other people, but it's actually Udina. It's I've heard some people actually pronounce it Udinya. Mm-hmm. Those are only yeah. his closest circle of friends. Yeah. Yeah. So if you really want to impress someone with your Mass Effect knowledge, definitely say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm just kidding. Don't say that. Yeah. Uh, so obviously before before we get started, obviously some serious game spoilers ahead. I'm going to do my best to differentiate between the games so that those who are in the middle of a playthrough, uh, maybe it's your first playthrough, you haven't gotten to two or you haven't gotten to three yet. I'm going to let you know when we're talking about each so you can just skip along. Uh, we're going to be doing a two part episode on Udina. So this is the first part. And the first, we're going to talk about Udina's role in Mass Effect and his history within the universe. And then in the next part, we're going to dissect his personality, his choices, and kind of him as a character overall. Yeah, um, this is going to be fun. So, yes. So buckle up. Buckle up. Um, Danelle Udina is the human ambassador to the council uh, when we meet Udina in Mass Effect 1. Mm-hmm. But what exactly does that mean? Basically, what it means is that it's Udina's job to represent humanity as a whole to the Citadel Council, who at that time just includes a counselor from the Salarian Union, the Asari Republics, excuse me, uh, and the Turian hierarchy. And what does he do? Well, he presents issues that would be politically important, probably to the Systems Alliance because that is the entity which would nominate him and place him in that role. He presents issues that directly impact humanity, probably off of Earth. I can't imagine something Earth-specific being the Alliance's concern. Uh, And also redressing the grievances of something that perhaps impacts all of humanity's engagement with the Galactic Society. Yeah, so a a little bit of pressure just a little bit one person one person can you imagine the burden one person trying to represent all of humanity right i mean he's kind of a stickler he's kind of a uh, hard ass he's okay we can say he's kind of a douche he's kind of a douche but i feel like you want a douche doing that job yes Yeah, yeah i would tend to agree i would like you need someone who's gonna push the envelope i think you also want somebody who you can't easily convince of anything right Right. And I feel like that's exactly who he is. Right. Like he's the kind of person who's like, mm, show me the proof. Right. Like every time he's the kind of person who's like, really? Really? Definitely. Right. He's definitely a skeptic. Yeah. Um, and I feel although, like if you didn't have someone in that position, then that's absolutely the wrong person. You don't want somebody who's just easily to convince and it's kind of a pushover. No, you definitely don't want someone who's go with the flow. Um, however, I think Udina tiptoes a line between uh, between being a, a skeptic hard ass and being just a dick uh, who's unwilling well, yeah. to sure to sure to even con- entertain the thought of something that might be politically inconvenient. Uh, but we'll we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, like like we were just saying, you know, I can't imagine how tough it would be to try to represent all of one race to aliens who only 26 years ago didn't know that humanity existed. So right. like we've given this gal- galaxy of aliens 26 years to understand all the nuances of human culture. And can you imagine like, they don't really happen in the games, but can you imagine like Udina trying to be like, look, you need to understand when humans say this, here's what they mean. 
literally just explaining idioms and things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And having the knowledge of at least the three other races that he's dealing with, and it, you know, in roughly the amount of time that he's dealt with them, uh, at least on some level to be able to communicate clearly, you know, like that's a right. really he doesn't have somebody else to say like, oh, well, they've got this history of dealing with these races or or generations to look back and say, like, this is the history of communication with them. So this is, these are the things you should do. These are the things you should avoid. Like there's not a whole lot of time to go back and say, like, <laughs> these, these are lessons learned. It's 24 years. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And like he has to filter everything through this lens of like, okay, I'm talking to this, this, you know, body that has no idea uh, probably about our entire history. Yet it is kind of surprising that time and time again in the universe, Shepard beats aliens. And we, again, we have to remember that in Mass Effect 1, it was just 26 years ago that humanity discovered the Turians and therefore the rest of the galaxy uh, of aliens. And we have to remind ourselves that Shepard is constantly taught by other aliens like Samara, who knows a lot about medieval history on Earth, <laughs> right. that they know a lot more about us than we know about them. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder how much Udina actually cared about that and how much Udina was just there to represent the interests of the systems alliance. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. So, yeah. And, you know, speaking of the Systems Alliance, Udina was presumably appointed by the Systems Alliance Parliament, although we don't from what I saw. And maybe I'm wrong here, but I was researching for quite a while trying to find the actual like appointment process of an ambassador to the council. And it would seem that, and it's just a presumption on my part, I don't really have the exact evidence in the lore to confirm this, but it would seem that the parliament has to nominate and then vote on who would be the ambassador. Okay. Something, a process maybe similar in the United States to what we have for Supreme Court justices. Right. Nomination, confirmation. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it would probably, in my mind, go towards someone who's been a political insider for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody, you know, somebody they can trust somebody who's on the inside. Right. 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 Trusted asset. Uh, something like that. Yeah. And um, so because of that, we can, we can probably extrapolate that, that, uh, that Udina is a lifelong politician, but interesting that, that Udina's older. Udina's very clearly above like in, in my mind i think he's above 50 because i'd mm-hmm. be shocked if if udina was not above 50. he's got gray hair he's he's going like bald you know yeah yeah he, he um, looks like it also you probably want somebody with a lot of experience in these kinds of positions somebody who's right you know it's not their first rodeo it's not That's it's a good not saying. it's certainly not udina's first rodeo and he's not afraid to throw his weight around but mm-hmm. um i bring up his age for a reason because he's been probably a politician longer than humanity has had to deal with aliens yeah. So he could be bringing an old school style of politics to the game. Yeah, there's, that's that's always one of those weird balances is anytime there's like and we deal with this in our in the real world. Anytime there's like a significant advance in technology or some sort of discovery. How do you balance expertise with uh, a philosophy that's no longer applicable? Right. It's tricky. It is it is very tricky and he succeeds someone as ambassador he's not humanity's first ambassador to the galactic society Mm -hmm. Uh, he succeeds someone named anita goyle now anita goyle in from what i've read from what i've seen in the games and the external media um anita goyle is most prominently featured two places one in mass effect revelation you remember the story that we've talked about with it's the prequel to one where where it goes over anderson's history with saren Uh, first and foremost there, but also mentioned again in Mass Effect Andromeda. We get a little bit more, uh, we get an inside view as to how Anita Goyle was involved with uh, Alec Ryder. We'll, we'll get into that in a little bit, but about Goyle, she's a shrewd kind of tactician of a politician. And I think she's described as having a shoulder length blonde and silver hair, uh, with a shrewd face uh, and basically, you know, a take no bullshit kind of demeanor. Okay, but not not nearly as pushy, I think, as 
not not as in your face as Udina. From from what I gathered when I read Revelation, Goyle is much more of a I'm going to get you to say what I want you to say without you realizing it. Ah, so more of a uh, shrewd manipulator and less of a uh, in your face kind of aggressor. Right. She's a chess player. Yeah. 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 Um, So and Goyle was uh, very intricately involved with Anderson at the time because Anderson was in Shepard's position at that time. Anderson was selected to be the first human specter. Right. But of course, we know that didn't work out. Right. Because the mission with Saren fell apart. It was just this whole mess. And Anderson took the blame. And basically, it was politically very embarrassing for humanity. And so the politicians were all too eager to let their officer take the blame. And, you know, Mm -hmm. his career got stymied after that. Yeah. Anderson really got a raw deal. But anyway, that's we've talked about that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So this takes us to Mass Effect 1 and where we meet Udina in Mass Effect 1. And so he is serving as ambassador. Now, it's it's also I want to note here that we don't really know, at least from what I saw, we don't really know the changing of hands, how that happened with Goyle and Udina. But she was already middle aged. So I'm guessing 26 years after that, maybe she just retired. Maybe maybe there was no yeah. conspiracy there. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I um, mean, if she, if she was in her mid 50s, 26 or later, she would have been 80 years old. Like at some point you just kind of, OK, it's kind of time for me to step down. Right. And who knows, who knows uh, what what age humans would retire at, because I think they live to about 150 in the Mass Effect universe. Mm. But um, it's very clear in Mass Effect one, when we meet Udina, that he wants one thing, one thing only. And that is a seat for humanity on the council. That is his singular goal. And pretty much everything that he does in Mass Effect one seem and, and every position that he takes seems to be a step toward that goal. And uh, it's it's kind of a fitting first encounter when we when we meet with and or when we meet with Udina, because it comes up right away, like right away. He's accusing the council of making humanity a second rate. And right away, he's saying that you don't give us enough of a a voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But as we've discussed in previous episodes, humanity gets a voice faster than like everyone else. Right, right. Yeah, that's that is the big the big thing right at the beginning of Mass Effect one is that whole like. Mm. Yeah, it's contentious right away. Um, And we can we can see that that Udina is very ambitious. Udina wants the power. Whether it's for Udina or humanity. We don't know personally because I've gotten older and I'm more I'm more <laughs> mature now that I've been 15 years ago. When more skeptical about out. it, maybe I'm more skeptical about it. But, you know, 15 years ago when this game came out, I was I don't know how old I was. I was a kid and I was playing the game and I just kind of thought, well, he's being a jerk for no reason. <laughs> right. Right. He's just a mean guy. Right. Right. And I kind of just thought thought of him as a bully. Um, and ironically, now that I'm older, I still think of him as a bully, uh, but it's, it's, he's doing it under the pretense of humanity first. Right. Um, and so that's going to be an important theme that we talk about in a little bit, but again, this is only 26 years after humanity has been introduced to the galactic society and we shepherds induction into the specters. I think Udina sees that as a first step toward getting a seat for humanity on the council. Which, so I don't think, first of all, I don't think that Udina actually cares about Shepard, given the conversation we hear at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. It's merely, we need a face. We need a body. Well, it's a win. Who can, who can serve as this human specter. Oh, absolutely. It's a win. And Shepard's the best candidate currently. Yeah. So therefore, the best candidate needs, like, I'm going to put forward whoever the best candidate is. It happens to be Shepard. So therefore, it, it doesn't matter who it is. Shepard is it. And if we can get the council to agree to this, this is one step in in showing that they can trust us. That's basically yeah. it. And if they can trust us with the specter, then that's then why not trust us with the council seat? Shepherd is a requirement to check. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, and that becomes obvious because the very first line. Well, what about Shepherd? Because clearly that wasn't the first name they tossed around. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think Udina really gives a shit about Shepard, but I do think Udina gives a shit about the political weight that Shepard's induction into the Spectres holds. So, you know, we, we hear that at the beginning of Mass Effect 1, and then Shepard, at the end of that conversation, the back and forth about uh, from Anderson and Udina, Udina ultimately says, I'll make the call. So that means that with Udina as ambassador, Udina does hold some weight there. Udina doesn't really care about Shepard as a person, I think, and just any human in that role is important for him. And right after the Mass Effect's uh, first mission, you know, Eden Prime, mm-hmm. look at how Udina treats Shepard. Like, old, like right away, blames Shepard for all hell breaking loose on Eden Prime. So that means that Udina has read the mission reports knows that there was apparently a massive geth starship there and geth were slaughtering colonists and whatnot and blames shepherd because the beacon was destroyed right right so it's it's kind of i don't know it's like right away we're like this guy's kind of an asshole so uh blames shepherd for the destruction caused by saren uh and or, or so- saren and sovereign uh doesn't really want to listen to his or her meaning shepherd's point of view doesn't believe the vision but also throws shepherd under the bus for the mission not going according to plan and yet it's the if the official story is right that Eden Prime was supposed to be a mundane shakedown run. You remember they're, they're talking about, oh, this this is a nothing mission. Then why then why is there a Spectre there? Why is Nihilus right. on board? Right. Well, to evaluate Shepard, well, why did they think that a mundane shakedown run would be a prime opportunity to evaluate a Spectre candidate's skills? Like, right, right. Like, oh, you're going to send a Spectre to watch him do nothing, <laughs> right? Like. Exactly. He's not going to have to make any decisions. He's not going to have to do anything tactical. Cool. Right. Great. Right. Good use of their time. So I think uh, this is my tinfoil hat thing, but I think that the council, along with Anderson being or not Anderson, Udina being the ambassador, had some inside information that they they thought something was going to happen at Eden Prime. Mm -hmm. And then it did. Uh, But the whole thing reeks and the whole thing reeks of the same smell that Anderson uh, from when Anderson got politically screwed out of spectership. Yeah. yeah. Politicians saving their hides, chastising the military personnel for an event that appears politically inconvenient on the surface. But again, they're really not interested in hearing the truth right. because the truth oh, is yeah. politically inconvenient. Yeah. No, it's, e- it's easier to throw Shepard under the bus than it is to try to convince the council of some create what sounds like a crazy story about what actually happened. Definitely, definitely. It's 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 much easier to save face politically if you're willing to throw anyone at all under the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have to keep in mind that Udina is not in any position of getting voted out. He's not beholden to any voters, I think. So, yeah, yeah. yeah he just yeah. kind of holds the position because he was like you said, he was just kind of, you know, nominated for it and then approved. Right. And if the ambassador to the council is making the systems alliance look bad guess what you're probably getting fired mm-hmm. yeah just like if if the united states ambassador to the un made the u.s look bad consistently mm-hmm. and bad enough yeah they're probably not gonna have a job yeah they just get replaced yeah so um udina kicks anderson off of the Saren case shortly after that because the council doesn't respond the way that Shepard and Anderson really want them to. The council doesn't the council's not really willing to hear them out at all. Right. They're right. they're just like, oh well this is our you know, this is our top specter. These are right. some serious accusations are bringing Let's forward. say he's he said she said. And so mm-hmm. they're gonna go with their guy because they trust their guy over the new guy. So of course exactly so uh when shepherd says that she or or he saw a vision from the beacon and that they had seen they don't even know what just genocidal machines lots of death and killing and somehow saren's involved in this doesn't exactly sound copacetic uh and so udina re- looks at this entire situation not only blames shepherd not only says you sound insane but then says you know 
I knew that basically I knew that there was a reason why you and Anderson were so close and Anderson, you politically embarrassed the shit out of humanity a while ago. So guess what? Anderson, you're off this case. I'm pulling you off this case. Interesting here, by the way, that that, that an ambassador would have that military power. Yeah, I wonder if he has the ability to recommend that power and then got it approved and was just able to say, like, by the way, this yeah. is what's going on. Yeah, that's probably what's hap- what, yeah. what happens. Right. Um, but that's the whole reason why Shepard inherits the Normandy. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, in the very beginning of Mass Effect 1. Right, right. Um, <laughs> again, Anderson gets screwed. <laughs> Anderson again <laughs> gets <guy>. screwed, <laughs> and this time kind of at the hands of of Udina, who claims that it's necessary because Anderson's history with Saren casts doubts on humanity's intentions with pursuing Saren. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also pretty indicative of the contentious relationship that Udina and Anderson have. You know, on one hand, very politically inconvenient. Uh, but it doesn't seem that Udina cares about the truth here. Again, you know, it only seems about that it's about saving face. He will throw anyone under the bus to get ahead, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is the first inkling that we get of this kind of behavior from Udina. But we can excuse it because if you're a first time playthrough in Mass Effect 1, this you don't really have a lot to go on. So you're like, OK, maybe he's just a political asshole and he's ultimate. Maybe his intentions are good and he's just looking out for humanity anyway. And, you know, you're, I think that there are a lot of players that are willing to throw it under the under the rug because right. they're just like, right. Maybe he's trying to play both sides and he's just being careful about it. Like, let's just give him the benefit right. of the doubt for now, because he's a politician. He has to at least save face, you know, like, well, let's wait and see. And as Shepard, we take our lead from Anderson, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem that Anderson's that bent out of shape about it. Right. But for as much as he gets screwed over by it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So I think, and I think part of that is because Anderson's old enough to know what's going on. Right. Um, so on, on the other hand, like we said, Anderson and Shepard both sound like wild conspiracy theorists. Um, they do sound I a little remember- crazy. Like this is pretty nuts. This whole visions thing and like, Yeah such conviction about it too right away um and i remember thinking this when i was playing through mass effect one again recently just thinking like how are they so sure of this after all this stuff like just happened Mm -hmm. i mean it makes sense with anderson like having an outburst in the uh council meeting saying like saren wanted this saren hates humanity given anderson's history and what anderson knows about saren that makes sense yeah yeah yeah, but it is it is kind of nuts. Um, there's there's a lot of like, what if stuff there, you know, like weird tech. Uh, Shepard touching this weird technology, seeing visions of what he thinks is actual truth of things actually happening, you know, like. Yeah, oh, there's accusing a lot an established of, specter. Yeah, accusing an established specter. There's a, I mean, if you are somebody just listening to this story. Mm, there's reason to be skeptical for sure right and all again all this is unfolding in front of the council and all udina is thinking is oh my god like because like how is this going to look on humanity oh yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely and and he doesn't like i mean think about it from a personal standpoint too he doesn't really know shepherd he knows Nobody's Anderson been sticking his neck out, right? He knows Anderson pretty well, but he doesn't really know Shepard or the crew that Shepard took with him. Right, right. Exactly. You know? So, so Udina's sticking his neck out for Shepard and this isn't the first, or this, this isn't the last time either. Uh, so Udina's sticking his neck out for Shepard and from what Udina perceives is basically doing it for no just cause because like the council's like really this is the dude or this is the Mm -hmm. girl and this is the woman you know like this is the soldier that you're putting forth yeah yeah and so udina for the rest of mass effect one seems pretty impossible to please um varying levels of that depends on the player's choices like for example you remember the colony of pharos there was the thorian you had to save the colonists who were infected with the thing and if you didn't save mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. if you ended up not using that thorian gas and saving them udina gets really pissed yeah and yeah. Udina's like you know great like another example of shepherd being reckless but even if you do it's like it's like the typical impossible to please parent right uh, 
And it constantly, constantly at every turn, Udina seems to be denying Shepard's account of things. Udina seems to be willfully dismissing mission reports and basically saying, I know better, even though Udina wasn't there. So for the boots on the ground, like Shepard and Shepard's team, that's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. And we see it from Shepard's POV. Uh, so I think it, it probably reaches a fever pitch when when uh, Udina implies that Shepard has lost his or her mind. Yeah. And that's that's after <laughs> Vermeyer, uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems like they, you know, I mean, they start out definitely start out rough, but uh, we'll have to conclude this when we get back from our our mid break because we got some patrons to thank and then we'll talk about what happens in the uh the games following mass effect one so why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back message coming in patching it through i am sovereign and this station is mine i like the sound of that cloudy atlas says and that's why we're grateful for space dad anderson yeah man space dads are the best you know taking it taking one for us when we need it even when it's not fair he really is the best space dad good old space daddy what don't you think sam <laughs> yeah you know he is he anderson's certainly a father figure to shepherd and uh yeah i'll, I'll leave it there I'll, I'll i'll leave it there because there are some spoilers that we'll we'll already get into in the next yeah, part yeah it, um, uh, just to wrap it up and claudia atlas also says and that's why udina gets punched in the face in all my playthroughs um anyway welcome to the middle of the show this is where we get to thank our patrons and welcome our new patrons we have a brand new patron brandon d who signed up this last week welcome brandon thank you for joining us on the patreon and thank you to all of our patrons including we've got to call out our tier five shepherd patrons Hula the fool apollo and pipe man thanks for signing up and thanks for supporting the show all 47 of you guys oh, man it's amazing guys thank you so much for for your support um sam and i very very much appreciate it you guys help keep the help keep the show going you help make this a full-time career for me i'm a full-time podcaster and i can't do it without your support and this is a big part of you know helping us keep this going it's a big part of you know keeping this going for sam too and we very very much appreciate it it helps us upgrade our setups and buy the gear and, and keep everything you know as high quality as we can get it um so if we've done anything to help you get through your workday, your commute to work, your workout, or cooking out because it, the weather's super nice lately and you're grilling a bunch of chicken wings on the grill, then go to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast. Man, I had a really happy one this week, didn't I? <laughs> Sam's just laughing at me. Um, <laughs> But yeah, much happier than the dog pooping on your carpet. Oh my god! The well, thankfully we don't have a carpet. It's actually like hard floors. But um, yeah, man, the weather's getting nice. Cooking, cook out some stuff, man. We had some cookout this weekend. It was it was pretty yummy in my tummy. And uh, but anyway, yeah, check out the Patreon. We've got ad free episodes. You can get T-shirts. You can join us on future episodes of the show. And so big big news with that. We're only a week away from our patron episode. So if you sign up as a tier four or higher, you can join us for our patron episode that we do at the end of every month. And that's coming up in just one week on the 28th. We will be chatting with you guys at 1030 PM Eastern Monday night or 730 Pacific or whatever time zone you happen to be in. But those are the two that are probably easiest for a large portion of our audience. So come join us. There's still time to sign up and we'd love to chat with you guys. And, um, what shirt am I wearing? It looks sick. This is the uh, cyberpunk uh, shirt. It, it's from the um, the what is that samurai symbol for the band? Uh, anyway, um, I'm chatting with the chat as we as we do this. So anyway, we got all that stuff. We don't have a new rating or review to read out, but if you'd like to help us out with those, that's also a wonderful way to help support the show. So if you listen on Apple Podcasts or you only if if you just have an Apple account, I mean, you can just log in and just leave us a rating and review. So five star reviews will be read out in the future. And also, if you listen on Spotify, you can drop us a five star rating on Spotify. All of that stuff is a big help because it helps us rank higher in search and you can even just tell your friends. If you have friends who like Mass Effect, just tell them, hey, I like this Mass Effect podcast. Go check it out. Tom tells terrible jokes. I think you'll like it. Uh, that's all we got for the middle of this episode. We'll continue with the rest of it. Here we go. Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. 
All right. Um, did you want to mention the thing about the Ukraine podcast ranking? Oh, yeah. I, so, for, I forgot about that. <laughs> that that's totally OK. Uh, I wanted to give a special shout out to listeners in Ukraine for a number of reasons. Uh, but one of them being that I checked the charts recently and on March 8th, we ranked the number fourth most popular video game podcast in Ukraine. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I felt pretty amazing about that, uh, especially because I think around that same time I was making some pretty uh, tongue in cheek, if not overt remarks about uh, dictators specifically and <laughs> aggression across borders. So I thought it was rather timely. Um, so, yeah, to, to all of the um, listeners in Ukraine, thank you so much. And uh, Slava Ukraini. Yeah. Um, also, we've been continuing to raise money. That's something else I should mention as well. We're up to $900 raised to help people with medical supplies in Ukraine. And if you'd like to donate, there's a link that keeps showing up in the uh, the live chat. And it, the link will be in the, uh, the little uh, description or show notes on, in the podcast. So if you were listening on your podcatcher um, or in the description of the video on the podcast. Mass Effect Lorecast YouTube channel. So wherever you're listening, just look in the part where there's more words. You'll see a link for it. So if you'd like to donate, you know, even just five bucks from, you know, your coffee that you were going to have this morning or whatever, we'd love to have you uh, contributing to this. We have another another goal that's been raised to a thousand for this week and maybe we'll hit it. So thank you to everybody who's contributed. I didn't I started with a goal of 100. We're at 900 now. So I'm sure we are helping to save some lives. So thank you to everyone. That is amazing. So all right, let's get back to this. So um okay. Here's a question. Talking about Udina and Shepard. Does Shepard ever you know, does he ever get back at Udina? For some of for some of the you know some of some of what he gets I mean he Udina's kind of rough with him yeah yeah I mean you in the first game so you can say that because in the first game you you can kind of choose to um, or not it's up to your choice um, number one and my personal favorite when Udina grounds the Normandy saying that Shepard is unfit to continue the mission and uh, yada, yada, yada. You know, Shepard's probably lost their mind. We're taking you off this case. You know, this you're telling me that you spoke with a Reaper and that these ancient genocidal machines are coming back out of nowhere. You know, um, when Udina pulls Shepard off the case and grounds the Normandy, the player can literally send Anderson to Udina's office and punch him in the face. <laughs> right, right. It's for a purpose. You know, the purpose is ultimately to get the Normandy out of the dock in the Citadel. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, you could say that the player can choose to get back at Odina that way. Okay, that counts. Yeah, I guess that counts as a getting back at him. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put that Anderson, on the list. Why, why don't you just deliver a nice knuckle sandwich to Udina's jaw? I feel like that's also an Anderson getting back at him. Yeah, Anderson presents it as an option. And if we're going to be honest, you know, at no point in time does Shepard ever tell Anderson, you have to punch Udina. Sure, sure. But that was ad-libbing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, So uh, and of course, there's also at the end of Mass Effect 1, the option for the player character to appoint Anderson or Udina as counselor. If you choose that you want to get back at Udina, I guess you could uh, choose to appoint Anderson instead mm. uh, after the ending. So there's those two ways that Shepard can get back at Udina uh, for his behavior. There's more. Uh, we'll, we'll go through the games and you know Udina's prominence in them. In, in Mass Effect 2, by the way, if you're going through a Mass Effect 2 uh, playthrough right now for the first time, you might not want to listen from here until yeah. The rest of the episode. Spoilers. It is a lore cast, but spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, so in Mass Effect 2, whoever you appointed as counselor remains counselor when Shepard gets revived. Uh, and in the end, ultimately, I think it doesn't matter because Anderson is not happy if you appoint Anderson as counselor. Anderson's like miserable dealing with the political bullshit. You can, <laughs> right. you can see Anderson derive a, a certain level of joy after telling Udina, his personal assistant, uh, that, you know, your opinion doesn't matter here. 
<laughs> Kindly <laughs> noted. Now fuck off. Um, mm-hmm. You can tell you can tell that Anderson takes joy in that. But all the other political duties, it's just not how Anderson imagined his life, the twilight years of his life going. Um, and so regardless, Anderson resigns anyway, even if Udina was not made counselor. And he does this so that long story short, he does this so he can continue operations against Cerberus. Anderson is actually away from our site in the video games. Anderson is out of like behind the scenes, organizing strikes against Cerberus. And that's the subject of the book, Mass Effect Retribution. If you haven't read it, I strongly recommend it. Also, re- also written by Drew Karpishin, if, if, member, if memory serves me correctly. Um, and basically, Anderson has to seek help from the Turians to investigate Cerberus because the Alliance doesn't really want a war and it would be politically inconvenient. Imagine how it would look to the alien species if humanity is busy dealing with massive multi-million, multi-billion dollar insurgencies that are human supremacists. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Really not good. Mm -hmm. Um, And Udina catches wind of this. And eventually Udina threatens opening an investigation into Anderson's duties. They do a very good job of keeping Udina and Anderson's technical positions uh, vague, just in case the player decided to appoint one of them over the other, you know? Um, <laughs> right. But Udina eventually threatens opening an investigation, saying, you know, like, basically that I'll, I'll smear you, I'll smear your name, you'll have nothing, and all of what you did will be for nothing. And this ultimately leads to Anderson saying, quote, you know, fuck you, I resign. Uh, and that's only really a slight embellishment. Although I do have a knack for uh, weaving a tapestry of profanity, mm. it's not that different from what Anderson truly says. <laughs> and um, that's that's just uh, how the basically the end of Mass Effect Retribution goes. So then that is <laughs> that's the final in, line in, in the novel. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, I resign. Um, that that is how Udina gets the job as counselor regardless in mass effect three that's how that happens okay um and hot take here you know i released a hot take on on twitter not long ago got a lot of responses not going to go over that one um but hot take another one udina is the right person for the job even though we don't like udina at least initially okay so why initially because of what happens a little later in 2186 after mass effect 2 but before mass effect 3 udina orders a secret investigation into csec executor palin and if we remember palin is the head of csec who doesn't really necessarily trust human beings yet kind of seems like a dickhead but ultimately seems like a by the book kind of turian mm-hmm. like you know, we're going to stay completely within the law. No one's above the law. That's Palin's uh, MO when we meet Palin in Mass Effect 1. Well, in the comic, Mass Effect Inquisition, Udina orders this secret investigation into Palin and tells Captain Bailey to look into him. At this time, Captain, not Commander Bailey. And Bailey does. And this is something that Udina tells Bailey should be off the books and only report directly to me. A little weird, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine you are a cop and all of a sudden the state senator calls you up and says, I need you to begin an investigation into the chief of police, but you can only <laughs> report directly to me. Yeah. Uh, really? What? This is a big deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, something's dirty. Something is dirty here. Right. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine Bailey felt a little intimidated because if Udina wanted, Udina could get Bailey fired. Certainly. Oh, sure. And U- Bailey's a, a career cop. What are you going to do if you got fired from CSEC? That's right. like the pride and joy of being a cop anywhere. Right. So, you know, where are you going to go? Um, and Basically, we're not going to get into too many details here, but Bailey ends up killing Executor Palin after going to Palin's office, investigating, finding two CSEC agents dead with a data pad in their hands. 
Bailey wants the data pad, of course, because thinks it could have evidence. Palin says, oh, no, no, you're going to hand that back to me because I've been basically I've been framed. You should not trust Udina. And Bailey says, "Okay, well, we can hear all about that after you come with me to the station. Right. Like we need we need a third party here to help figure this out. Right. But he threatens an arrest. Um, So Palin enraged goes after Bailey. Bailey kills him. And, you know, if you're if you're interested, I think, in hearing in hearing more, you should read this. But basically, the, the point is the whole thing is swept under the rug from the public point of view and from Shepard. Interesting, too, because at this point, Shepard's a specter. But Shepard doesn't know about this. And Udina has Bailey promoted for his actions in that investigation. So then he becomes Commander Bailey. Um, And if you're interested in any more of that, like I said, go read it. And if you're interested why Bailey can't go back to Earth and repair his family, definitely read that. Okay. So, I mean, you're skeptical. I'm skeptical of Udina. Right. Um, I'm skeptical because, as we know, in Mass Effect Three, and another warning, you know, if you haven't gotten to Mass Effect Three yet, skip ahead. Um, but you know, <laughs> as we know in Mass Effect Three, while Udina in the beginning seems to be the most sympathetic that he has ever been to Shepard, it doesn't end that way. Uh, I remember in Mass Effect Three. I don't know if you can recall, but. He, he was decidedly in the beginning less of a dick mm-hmm. and it was pretty nice because it was like mm-hmm. wow he's finally relatable uh-huh. and maybe it was all it took was a giant war and lots of people dying <laughs> right like okay maybe he's got other things to focus on now right, right right um and i think it also becomes more relatable because shepherds like why isn't the council doing anything to help humanity mm-hmm. but we also have to back up and realize that they have their own home worlds to defend oh sure so it's not the most rational thing for us to just assume that all the aliens are going to drop whatever is on their plate and just come help humanity that doesn't make sense right um but uh udina like shepherd is very frustrated with that and um Although we can can see an ally and confide in Udina a little bit, it doesn't end that way. We find out later in the game that Udina has been in cahoots with Cerberus. Cerberus, the human supremacist terrorist organization that, you know, tries to uh, overtake the Citadel through coup. Mm-hmm. And Udina has a key role in that. Udina, you know, Udina basically tries to have the council assassinated. Jeez. Okay. And this is something that supporters of Cerberus might call, you know, instead of a coup, they might call it uh, <laughs> something like a patriotic protest. Sure. From from very fine people. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. That's just what Cerberus supporters might say. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe. And, and this ends, this whole coup attempt, it ends with Shepard or whoever you had survive Vermeer, Ashley or Caden, depends on who. It, either, it, it ends with either Shepard or the Vermeer survivor shooting Udina. Why? Mm-hmm. Because Shepard caught Udina luring the Asari and Turian counselors to a place where they would be trapped and assassinated ultimately by Kai Lang. It doesn't work because Shepard foils that plan. But it did almost happen with the uh, Salarian counselor moments before that. And of course, our beloved Thane gave his life to defend uh, the Salarian counselor, assuming that Thane was alive at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it it all ends very abruptly, I think, for Udina. But that's going to happen if humanity's first specter catches you trying to lead a violent coup against the Citadel Council. Yeah. yeah, and so to answer your question, yeah, Shepard can get back to Udina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it seems like it. Well, I mean, at that point, Udina, like, absolutely deserves what's coming to him. Oh, definitely. I mean, I mean, <laughs> like, like, uh, um, I, I, I'm trying not to get political here. I mean, I guess we already did a little bit, but like, you guys, I mean, you call a spade a spade, right? Like. A coup, it's a, coup attempt. a coup is a coup is a coup is a coup is a coup, right? Like, whenever you try to forcefully take power, 
let's just call it what it is. It is. That's what it is. Right. Right. Like even if it fails, you play by you play by the rules or you don't. And if you aren't, then that's forceful attempt at taking power. And that is like not okay. That is never okay. That is terrible. That is wrong. Right. Right. It's antithetical to a civil society, a civil society. Like if you don't like the way the society works, you use the means that society has in order to change society unless society is so absolutely broken that there's no means with which to do that. But right. th- th- clearly they were not at that point. And to, no, to, they're in the middle of a war. They're in the middle of a war. But they, like, clearly, like, the, you know, humanity has a place on the council. Like, if you want to change, change the way the council works, elect somebody to the council. Right. Like. Right. Right. Yeah. Address your systems uh, alliance parliament member. Right. You know what I mean? Like th- there are means to do that. Right. And, and you know, if we were, if we we're going to talk about ourselves, there are still means to do that. Like the system is not that far gone. But uh, back to the game. Um, yeah. Ob- obviously, like, yeah. Shepard standing up for like, listen, dude, you don't just like take out the council. And by the way, he's a freaking specter. Like, if anyone's going to stand up to protect the council, like, that's kind of his job. <laughs> yeah, that's his shtick. <laughs> that's, um, that's what he does. Or at least that's one of his one of his jobs, right? That, yeah, that's <laughs> what that's what uh, he or she does with Shepard. And, you know, I, I think that uh, it's important for us to mention that we're only loosely inferring that the Systems Alliance is a democracy because they have a parliament and we know that their representatives right. are representing every one of Earth's sol- extra solar colonies. Um, so it's a parliament. They're a democracy of some sort. Right. Um, and the, it's not entirely clear. We'll get into the authority and the, the power and the legitimacy of it a little bit later. But with Udina being the counselor, it doesn't mean that Udina is above the law. Um, and to see that humanity's counselor was willing to co-op with a human supremacist terrorist organization, which Shepard knows at this point is led by someone who's indoctrinated. Mm -hmm. Like then it starts to really like, you know, like I'm questioning Udina's motives. Now I, I wasn't before now I am. And so we can go from at the very beginning, having this asshole politician poo poo our mission reports to now okay he's just a straight up antagonist yeah we were giving him the benefit of the doubt no longer yeah right um and you know i had really held out hope for anderson because i thought maybe he's just maybe he is just that rough around the edges guy no (laughs) that's that's why i called him a foil earlier Yeah. yeah yeah um yeah. So. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I mean, it sounds like, yeah. I mean, he had, he had the potential to go the other direction, you know? Definitely. But I guess, I guess that's just but not how the story goes. Well, yeah, that was his choice. I mean, that was Udina's choice. And like I said at the beginning, when I said that I'm not sure if he's doing this for the best of humanity or just for his own selfish power grabs, this is part of the reason why, because I don't think that he really had allegiance to anyone. Yeah. I think that he had allegiance to Udina. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely seems like it. So, um, and in discussing this episode, we definitely skipped over like the early parts of his life and all of that stuff, his rise to power. Um, do you want to detail that stuff real quick here at the end? Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't mention it because those de- those details are rather unclear. Um, there's a list of things we don't know. And let's go over that. So one, we don't know what planet Udina was born on. We don't really know his given age and humanity's, uh, g- but given his age rather, and humanity's novel introduction to the Milky Way, probably Earth. Mm-hmm. One, one could probably safely assume Earth uh, because humanity was only establishing colonies within the like what one previous generation so yeah most likely earth um we don't really know what kind of child udina was Mm -hmm. you know this is probably the point uh that 
that we would probably say that, you know, oh, this is the early life section of his bio. We don't really know a lot about that. Um, but I can speculate, you know, what bossy, self-appointed leader of the class. Uh, I bet Udina was the kind of kid who referred to himself as a leader. I'm a leader, not a follower. I thought you were going to say it third person. <laughs> Udina doesn't like when you steal the ball. Give the ball back. Udina doesn't like it. <laughs> Udina is tired of being treated like a second rate student. <laughs> Udina will not sit in the corner just because Udina took an extra cookie. <laughs> yeah. If you treat Udina like this, this isn't fair to the rest of the class. <laughs> the rest of Udina's class. Yeah. The rest Everything of is possessive class. also. <laughs> yeah yeah i can see udina doing that um (laughs) he's got a he's got a real stick up his ass and i can't imagine it was any different as a child i imagine him coming from a very wealthy family never really having any hardships um i could be wrong yeah maybe Uh, but then that's just speculation you know we also don't know what he was doing before he became an ambassador we don't know what political party he was ever affiliated with. And we do know that there are political parties in the Systems Alliance Parliament mm-hmm. because we know about the Terra Firma Party, which is a party that is you know, supported by Cerberus. It is human first, it's human centric and human supremacist. Um, we don't know. Maybe he was a member of the Terra Firma Party. Probably not, given their recent inception. Um, but we don't know what his educational background was either. Yeah. Yeah. I would guess law. That's just my guess. Probably Seems like he's a a lawyer corporate type. Corporate lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we can also infer that, you know, from him becoming ambassador, he was probably a lifelong politician, like we said earlier. Probably only insiders get that role. Uh that's something that's you know, you got to shake a lot of hands and kiss a lot of babies, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I hope he, asses, but OK, kiss a lot of asses too. Udina's nose is probably super brown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's just what I'm the vibe I'm getting from Udina. Um, <laughs> but that all serves to the same point, which is that he knows the game. He knows the political game very well and he plays it. Um, Udina was probably never in the military. Given how how very quick Udina is to dismiss the reports of all of his military's top officers and the squads on the ground, uh, probably never in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, never doesn't really speak like anyone in the military uh, at all. Mm-hmm. And we mention all of these things about his personality and uh, you know what we don't know about him because it's. It, it sheds a window, I think, into why he makes some of the choices that he does. Uh, so the speculation is for a purpose, but we will dig into a lot of that next episode. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, if you are watching live, we're going to just roll right into the next episode because we record these back to back. And if you are listening to this, the next episode will be up in just a few days. So uh, stay tuned for that. Sam, you got anything you want to share before we head out? Yeah, um, as always, every Saturday I am streaming uh, Sassy Shep Saturdays. I just finished Mass Effect 1, and so I've imported my Shepard into Mass Effect 2, and now the uh, the limits are endless when it comes to fun mods that I can install. Oh boy. Uh, yes, I'm very excited, but if you're interested in catching some of that, I am uh, doing that every Saturday uh, from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern at N7 The Legend on Twitch nice nice yeah i've been uh streaming as well i've been doing some more streams during the day actually so you can watch this show or my game streams over on any of the robots radio channels so on twitch on youtube or on facebook and uh just come hang out with me i'll be streaming during the days on any of the days that i get a chance to do that and also in the evenings you can check out this show on monday nights and then lots of other shows any of the other lorecast podcasts that i do on different nights during the week or also video game streams and still raising money for ukraine so remember that and also the lord of the rings lorecast just launched our fourth episode we're already four episodes in it's been a month already and that show is going great lots of people are listening lots of positivity um, for people about that show so uh go check that out show if you're into go check out that show did i say that correctly if you're into the lord of the rings i'm talking too quickly and uh thank you for tuning into this episode we'll be back in just a minute if you're on the live stream and 
We'll see you guys on the next episode if you're listening to the audio version. All right. See you next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.